is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your brain joining by my co-host Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, it is midweek Champions League edition. It is obviously the Real Madrid match review coming out everyone tonight. Uh, Nick, there's uh, while it was a dub, we get knocked out. So instead, we have to bring a little bit of extra ray of sunshine, which is why we've got you on the pod, right? That's right, everyone. That's why you have me on the pod. Ray of sunshine. Uh, very positive person. Upbeat, even. Some have said. <laughs> some some have said that. Uh, but no, we because uh, because of the mood in the camp over here, we decided to bring an actual ray of sunshine. Jenny Chu, back on the pod. Surprise appearance in the midweek. Did no promo for this, but we're really excited that she's back. I, I keep it up a, a good W only um, record right now. Is that right? In it is match. almost perfect, I yeah. believe. It is a sterling reputation uh, that you come <laughs> on and we win. And technically, you came on and we won. We just didn't win last time. And that was the problem. Yeah, you were selfish and you took a vacation last time, which was. Is that uh, what happened? Part Wait, of the is, reason. When we diagnosed this whole denominator. thing. <laughs> When we diagnose this whole thing, I think you can look back and signs point to yes. Mm-hmm. I Nick really hope that none of your Charlie followers Day. actually think this is my fault. <laughs> Nick's got the map like Charlie Day and Always Sunny, and he's drawing the conclusion. Oh my to, like, God. Jenny's center now for the failure of the team. Oh, man. If only. If only that were the case. Well, I mean, I think more strategically, we're actually not going to talk about Chelsea and clearly continue our discussion on Villarreal because Jenny got to see them in the flesh in Italy. So, uh, I mean, we could take this one of two ways. We could continue sure. on the Chelsea path or hard right and hit up Villarreal. All right. So we'll we're, probably we're, do the Chelsea path. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I didn't want to rebrand the show anyways, Nick. So that that's a lot more work. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to be talking about the almost miracle in Madrid and what went Chelsea's way. And then we'll talk about what didn't and where we go from here, which will be, well, back home to England. So, uh, Dan, temp check with everybody at the patented, always imitated, never matched, three-word match review. Well, we had plenty of responses here. Snacks with the wanted killer instinct. Our good friend Shane with the we had it. Mules with the Madrid miracle missing. Nicholas with the take up Bernabeu. Mm. Keith with the get some chocolate. Reference to Thomas Tuchel's late night uh, chocolate obsession. Uh, Def Jucks Daddy with a, a new, or probably reused acronym for VAR. Very atrocious refereeing. Mm. Yeah, Team on the Drogs with small margins costly. Tana with the devastating emotional roller coaster. And I feel like this one was particularly for me, Nick, from Sergeant Soy Sauce with Why Not Dope. That was nice. Sergeant Soy Sauce. It's great. He's, he's even got his own like emblem as well so there's also, been time into this so if we could hear the story of this i i'd be interested uh, can, we, can we talk about my boy who has the best moniker in all of discord snacks with an x <laughs> it's, it's so good man well done oh child of the 90s i can only imagine uh <laughs> i went with farmers from spain because i'm bitter and i just want to talk shit so that's sure. all that's all i've got uh nick what about you on our shields that's weird. That's a weird way to say ray of sunshine, but okay. Yep. All right. Dan, over to you. Courage from some. I can't wait Ooh, for you to name cutting, names. Cutting. Name names, Dan. And then Jenny. T- Tuchel already named the name. Just well, to, you know, I'd like yeah. to hear your list. Jenny, what about you? I'm not as, as cheeky as you guys ever, but I just said got to be proud because it was a little 
unexpected. I didn't come in with that many expectations and then I was, I was proved wrong. So proud. Yes. Agreed. A lot of people were, I think a lot of people share that sentiment today that Chelsea went from getting whacked around a little bit at Stanford bridge and absolutely showed a ton of character and, and, um, did this sounds proud again at, they they didn't need a lot to not lose three one yet we did that so it's like I think I was talking to my fiance Chelsea played this seven out of ten times he probably wins seven of them based on the way things went which is a strong performance but that's why you play both legs because you can't get away with only one good match so uh, Dan we've got some more Patreon friends some Patreoners some Patreonites wow just, uh, patrons patrons mm. very yeah. simple straightforward it's, it's a real easy english it's thing a here boring for boring way to life and there's a fun look way. we want to welcome jess josh sev and wells for joining ps on patreon probably because we've got wonderful new audio editions there we've got the sw6 ish which is our six points in six ish minutes for joe it's like 12 to 24 um, but for Jesse and, and uh, for the women's team and then uh, Brandon and Phil for the academy going in kind of on weekly and uh, after match updates that we have in there. Uh, and then also Multiverse Mailbag where we kind of go into Chelsea and non-Chelsea topics. But yeah, we really appreciate people joining us on that element there. And then uh, other gratitudes, Apple Podcasts, Gwen the Boxer Dog from Norway. Just really impressive that, that a, a boxer animal? dog has the name. <laughs> Learn how to type, set up an Apple ID. Look, there, there, are, there are living human adults who don't know how to set up their own Apple ID, but this boxer dog did it. Well fucking done. I need to see this a picture of this dog now. That's what I need to do. <laughs> All right. Well, Nick has the open request. Thank you for leaving a wonderful five-star review. It helps people find the podcast. We super appreciate that. And on Spotify, Nick, at 4.99 out of 896 reviews, we are closing in on the 900 mark. Getting close, getting close, then on to a thousand. We'll see. We are very close. And again, that just started this fall. So thanks everyone for supporting the show that way. Again, it's free, but it creates a ton of awareness when people are searching for uh, related podcasts. So thank you. Um, but anyways, we should totally jump all the way into the the match review. So it was Real Madrid this past Tuesday, the 12th of April. We are playing in the Champions League in the Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, Scoreline, Real Madrid 2, Chelsea 3. On aggregate, that is 5-4. Goals this time come from Mason Mount and Tony Rudiger, Timo Werner, and then Rodrigo and Benzema with the double killer blows. Um, uh, Fist and highlights usually don't run it, but if you do, Jake. uh, (coughs) There's no highlights, only pain. But probably not, Dan. So run us through the lineups. What do we have here? Well, it was Ewa between the sticks. Reese James as a right center back with Thiago Silva and Antonio Rudiger as your back three. It was Loftus-Cheek, Conte, Kovacic, and Alonso with Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner up top. Unused subs included Kepa, Christensen, Bentinelli, Chalaba, Azpilicueta, but he still got a card, Saar and Vale, and then you saw Jorginho, Pulisic, Sal, and Hakim Ziyech all come off the bench. Impressive for Masby. I mean, if we're being honest, I'm, so Total proud. I'm, I'm proud of him. It's great. Tuchel as well, I believe. So, yep. um, yes. Yeah. So uh, not an ideal formation, uh, but I think Tuchel definitely leaning with the hot hand coming off the Southampton drubbing. Uh, some of the top line stats, Chelsea with 57% possession. We had 28 shots away God. to Real Madrid with God. seven of them being on target. They had 10 shots, four on target. Um, we had 20 fouls there, 17, four cautions apiece, no red cards, one offsides for the Chelsea, 10 corners to one, uh, XG coming in at, at, uh, let me see, let me see 2.86 for Chelsea and 1.22 for Madrid. So both teams 
overachieving, but not really us. And then Jenny, uh, look, if you accumulate this, the top line stash on both legs, you've got Chelsea with a 57% possession against two legs, 49 shots to their 18, 15 corners to their three, and an XG of 4.58 to 2.58. Like, this sucks. Yeah, I think you summarize that pretty correctly there that does suck what about what how did you kind of see the team come out the lineup obviously you know Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing right back not ideal but he just kind of rolled him in with the injuries and you know Aspie just coming off COVID two up front um taking on their you knew Madrid were gonna come out in the 4-3-3 yeah I think they only made one change coming into this game we had what three four uh changes but for me Reese James stood out I I was a bit nervous when he got his yellow card early on in the match and then Venetius Jr. has been having such a great season. I was nervous about the impact that he could make. And it seemed like he wasn't even part of the game at all. I mean, the, the one uh, cross for the goal beyond that, I think Reese James shut him down pretty well, which I, that was a standout point for me. 49 shots over two legs. I mean, this is not Bayern Munich playing a third-tier German side in the, in the Pokal, guys. Like, this is the Champions League quarterfinals, and we outshot them by 31 one. goals. Uh, like that's absurd. It's absurd. And uh, you know, I think the, the overall takeaway from this performance today for me is that it was the best 75 minutes we played all year, but there were more minutes to come. Hmm. All right. Well, I think we'll get into a little bit more of it. Uh, but before we do, we do have the one random stat from Opta Joe three Chelsea became just the second English team to score three goals away against Real Madrid in all European competitions after Manchester United did so in a 3-3 draw in the European Cup in May 1968, Valiant. Um, 1968. Yeah. This was very historic. Like, we continue being undefeated when we go there. Like, it's just incredible that, like, this team continues to do some really historic things and is pieces away from being like a true elite powerhouse. It's just a consistency problem. I mean, absolutely battered him. I mean, yeah. battered him in every single way. Like their fans were going nuts at them. Like it was, it was crazy. And then you hear like the little Timo Werner song from the Chelsea fans, like, cause they were all the way up in the gods in, in the stadium. But this was a, it was crazy how, nearly comprehensive this was and you have to say nearly because it didn't quite come off but my god absolutely incredible performance well uh a lot more to come probably gonna skip the mpet shithouse and the joe tweeds xb uh because we have a lot to get into but before we do that we're gonna jump to our ad break thanks to sponsor for but, financial but nick's here show. nick's here he doesn't have a he doesn't have a shithouse moment in the match no not really i don't okay. do, do you dan I, I mean, you know, look, when you're about four feet tall and you're standing up to uh, Kai Havertz at 6'4", it probably is not the, <laughs> not know, probably it's, not it's the like best idea. Big on small crime, though. I mean, like <laughs> Rudiger, Rudiger bustling over Modric or one of those is probably better. But, yeah, I don't know. Just days like today, it's hard to get up for the, the fun ones. That's fair. All right. Uh, well, again, thank you to the sponsors for, for Financially Supporting the Show. We'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more... 
uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it, it's easy, it's fast, it's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. The first one right out of the gate. Um, well, I guess actually heads up because Dan, we have more content. Yeah. Uh, if you missed it, Nick recorded a brilliant podcast, brilliant episode by himself with uh, the head of the CPO. And first <laughs> choice host. Can you believe you let face. him do that, Dan? Let's I know. go. Really, Everyone really, loves it. Really bizarre. Uh, look, it's a uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust and uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners special kind of going through the importance those organizations play, particularly in the sale bid going on. So if you've missed that, uh, definitely recommend checking that out because uh, as it relates to content, uh, you won't be disappointed because we're not talking about a loss. Um, also, we're going to come out with a new club sale update with Naz talking about the race to the finish for the final four bids. And then who knows? Probably an emergency pod, most likely. Guaranteed. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, now we can jump into it. Uh, the almost miracle Madrid and what worked for Chelsea. So leading into the positives to start. Yeah, look, Chelsea almost completed the ultimate comeback versus the villains of modern football. I believe the Real Madrid owner is still pushing for a Super League. I believe they have not left that competition just to give you some ammunition. But uh, Mason Mount um, recently cleaned up the haircut, you know, getting in the eyes, as he said. Uh, been in some pretty good form. Uh, it was funny. Yaz uh, from the Tinkerman qu quote tweeted someone saying, oh, Mace Mount scored 60% of his goals from the, the bottom 60% of the table. And he's like, yeah, therefore he scored 40% against the top. <laughs> like, I don't know where you're going with this. And and it's very easy to to pick on Mason, um, you know, at, at times, Dan, but I when you know you have a game like today huge the club need a spark the club need a talisman uh and he's right there i mean his finish absolutely hit with confidence didn't sky it buried it far post again we know courtois is not small in stature like he placed it perfectly around around the the belgian waffling goalkeeper <laughs> belgian waffle um yeah, he hit it in stride. It uh, had an individual XG of 0.11, so uh, nice finishing because uh, only 11 out of 100 of those typically get scored from the same position. Uh, that's how XG and math works. Um, just in general, uh, pace, attitude, hunger, desire, all really shown at this level, and I think this 
element of Chelsea DNA, these individuals in uh, Mount, Reese, and others who are going to be mainstays in this team for five, seven, potentially even longer sets of time. Uh, you know, Jenny, uh, you know, from your perspective, I feel like we're getting them going at the right moment, and you almost wonder two weeks prior if we had gotten the same experience, you know, like this could have just been a lights out and we would have gone maybe into the second leg with it being done and the narrative not being can Chelsea come back it'd be more like what are Madrid gonna do at home <laughs> like because they're 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 dusted yeah I'm sorry I like cut him focus because I wanted to ask you guys a question that maybe is obvious to y'all and to other um listeners on your podcast but what what is behind this like Mason Mount hate all the time or why is it that people don't think he deserves to play it's it's a great question. I mean, I, I think there are just there are some people who don't rate him or his talent. Um, they think that he's a fly track bully. Uh, they think that his open play assists aren't uh, enough. They don't think his finishing is good enough. And they think that he's essentially, you know, there's like some, uh, you know, Frank's son, Tuchel's son, like favoritism being played, which is why he's out on the pitch all the time and not the fact that he is actually a big game player which he 1000 percent is uh so i don't know it's weird uh, if you if you were around chelsea twitter tonight there was a lot of just absolute nonsense with player hate going on and uh yeah mason always seems to be at the, at the crux of it for whatever reasons very weird i was gonna say tonight's not tonight right jenny Statman dave breaking it all down 100 tackles one 100 long ball accuracy 82 percent pass accuracy 63 touches 36 passes completed five duels one four shots four chances created two crosses completed a goal and assist the holders are up but they have a star that's the tweet like he he did everything he created he defended like he ran he hit long balls hit short balls like assisted scored today was not the anti-mason day <laughs> there there um, Dan, I, I don't, I don't even remember exactly what your question was, but the, the character that was shown today, um, you were mentioning the two weeks back thing. I didn't expect this at all from this Chelsea side. I think I had kind of given up like this idea that a comeback was possible a hundred percent. And I, I take that accountability that I didn't have that faith. This team showed what Tuchel can do for them, I guess, like in that first leg, if you go down that badly, I really didn't see a way out. I was like, okay, Champions League, my bracket's done. Um, but to see that this team can come together like that has been pretty eye-opening and my fandom has to change in my head basically because uh, I'm kind of like Nick, like my hope was not all there. I mean, Nick always has hope, but he doesn't want to admit he has hope because he cares so much. <laughs> um, I can't say mine was like the same. <laughs> mine was like, oh, we're not coming back from this. Benzema's going to kill him. And that's not at all what happened. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and I don't really have like a negative talking point towards Chelsea right now, besides the first leg, like the first leg killed him. Jenny is my therapist for those who are wondering, <laughs> we're, we're working through some stuff. I mean, it seemed like I knew your psyche there. Sorry. <laughs> Nick thoughts, feelings, emotions about Mr. Uh, Mr. Mason Mountain today. Nah, man, he's, He's a shit. He's really, really good. He's a leader. Uh, you know, it shouldn't have surprised anybody that he got the goal that started everything off today. Um, if you think back to that Norwich game after the sale was announced and 
all the craziness that was happening around the team. He was shot out of a cannon for that game in a moment where we desperately needed leadership. And uh, he was shot out of a cannon in this game, too. And I don't know, man. <laughs> had a goal against Madrid last year. Had an assist in the Champions League final. Played lights out in this game. You know, chased everything. I mean, he chased fucking everything tonight. Uh, that front three did an incredible job pressing. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's ours. <laughs> and I, I'm so pumped about that moving moving into next year because he, he is he's probably three or four years away from being the best version of Mason Mount, which is frightening. Yeah, he started the season at 22. He's 22 in his third season uh, assisting or scoring goals in the Champions League. Not a bad resume. Not a bad resume in the slightest. It, it, it's really, you know, hard to fathom. Again, I think we kind of talked about this. Academy graduates, they tend to just have more heart for the club for understandable reasons. They've been there since they were five, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, you know, it's kind of their dream to play for Chelsea and then to play for Chelsea in the Estadio Bernabeu, like in against Real Madrid, is like all the dreams come true. Obviously, they've already won the Champions League as well. And I think that he was one... Uh, I think Kai was another one. There's really players out there that, you know, to Nick's point, chased everything down and weren't going to let this go without a fight. They understood they made some big mistakes in the first leg, but they didn't come in deflated. They came out with energy. I mean, scoring in the 15th minute, setting the tone for the match. I think that was important. And Mason was a big part of that. He's always been a cog in the wheel of success for Chelsea, especially when it comes from pressing from the front, right? And shaping the play that is going to come down to the defenders. And he did a phenomenal job. And look, he was subbed in the Champions League final because he ran his ass off. Um, and that's that's going to happen at times. But again, a goal and assist is just phenomenal work from from him today. And um, like I said, it's just it is not the day for the anti-Mason uh, crew to to be out and about. Uh, I'm sure they'll find another match that it doesn't matter to, to get upset about it. Uh, another one is Antonio Rudiger. Not only did he defend like a bastard, uh, he attacked like, well, a, a bastard. So, uh, <laughs> He's the ultimate swashbuckler. He is oh, a swashbuckler man. of a player. At Squawk, uh, breaking down his, his game by numbers, said 123 touches, which was the most of anyone. He had 100% aerial duels won, 91% pass, or 91 passes completed with an 88% pass accuracy. He had 20 pa 28 passes in the final third, which again was the most. Wow. <laughs> uh, Hashtag Trick Hortista. Uh, eight duels won, <laughs> seven possessions won, four tackles made, three shots, one goal. I'm lucky to be on the losing side. Didn't he have another like howitzer from 35 out that just missed? <laughs> it was not oh, far yeah. off. That one, uh, we were chatting <laughs> with Ollie in the DMs, and I was like, oh, that was that was spicy. Uh, yeah, he was he was unbelievable tonight. I mean, it was it was one of those like reminiscent of the run last year performances where you just weren't going to beat him um, if you were on that side. And they tried everything. They tried overloads. They tried to, to move Modric up to, to take him out of lanes. It just didn't work. And you're not going to beat him in the air at all. I mean, very few players can challenge him in the air. So it was just a very challenging night for Madrid offensively. And, you know, the fact that, you know, again, it's these big character guys that are getting the goals. You know, it's it's shouldn't be a surprise, really, um, that uh, that that's happening. But it was it was a great header um, took kind of blindsided Courtois a little bit on the angle. But it was it was a bullet. It was great. As I have a couple of questions. 
I'm always here for the questions. I, I um, love it. The people love it. You're the people's <laughs> champ when it comes to questions. So Rudiger is currently out of contract at the end of the season. Yep. And after this performance, what are you doing if you're Chelsea? Or can you do anything considering our circumstances? Can't do it. You thing. cannot. Oh, snap. Can't, can't sign anyone. Can't retain any, Hold can't up. extend anyone. Wait a minute. Something ain't right here. <laughs> yeah. It's it's um uh, it's yeah, it's uh, known affectionately as a bag of bullshit, Jenny. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. So the oh, the biggest saving grace for us that we can tell so far is that he's asking for too much money. So Real Madrid don't want to pay the man. They probably want to pay him after tonight. Say that. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what, it definitely yeah. might uh, open up, reopen the negotiating table. But also now that Chelsea can't sign him, you know, foreign teams have more leverage, so they don't need to pay him as much as they even did four months ago. So, uh, but it's not great. Aspie Christensen and Rudiger all out of contract at the end of the season. Oh, snaps. Um, also, 28 passes in the final third as a defender has to be like wildly rare. And not a, just a defender, not like an outside back who's bombing forward, a left no. center back. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I think I missed that during the match, but when I'm seeing this stat, I'm like, that has to be wild. Like I need to go back and see how far up he's getting and how far back, like that's a lot of up and back. Look, Rudiger is not going to let anybody define him with a traditional label. The man is in a class of his own, and he is loving life and playing just at an insane level for, for him. It's it's really just remarkable. There was one point in the second half where Alonso and Rudiger were our most far-forward players on the left-hand side, and Kovacic and Conte were filling in at center back and left back. <laughs> Because they just decided to freelance up top, and you can't blame him. We had a, you know, almost all of the ball. It, it was it was absolutely insane. But I mean, he he saved his best for last in this competition. This was an extraordinary performance, and you know he's a maniac, but he's our maniac. You know, uh, and we and we hope he stays our maniac. Mm-hmm. So uh, very lethal at a, a bunch of different ways. I mean. Look, he could be in a he could be a sneaky shot for player of the season. I know we've like started to kind of have those discussions. Um, I know that Kovacic has done really well. Uh, Kai scored some important goals, um, but the amount of conversation we've had about Rudiger all season and how much we've wanted him to stay, I think, kind of reminds people about the value he brings from it. Uh, Dan even tried to put a number uh, on this this uh, XG was a point zero nine from yeah, Rudiger for his header, yeah. So what does that mean? Nine out of a million chances? Exactly. You're so good at math. I just love it. <laughs> and the over-under is 17. Got it. Yes, okay. you got it. Perfect. Um, Nailed it. So again, I think we just, we're in this terrible situation with Rudiger and, and what his future may be. As of right now, it will be outside of Chelsea. Um, but if we can get this bid done, <laughs> Rain Group, uh, we might actually have a chance to preserve a very valuable asset and keep him around for a few more years because it's going to be hard to upgrade that spot. Uh, then the last one of the trio, Dan, we have uh, Reese MFing James. Yeah. What does that stand for, Dan? Uh, it sounds for, uh, uh, stands for Reese motherfucking James. Oh, okay. Nice. Way to lean into that one. That was nice. Oh, look, you know, it's, it's all about commitment in this. It's, it's, it's craft. Uh, look, he stood up to lean in. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> I stood up. Um, and so did Reese James. Reese James stood up on the night. Uh, very unfair. 
just fucking stupid uh, yellow card for a non-tackle five to seven minutes in the game and played an absolute blinder for another like 90 plus minutes after the fact, 100 plus minutes after the fact uh, against one of the players when you kind of put together your Champions League player of the season 11 um, Vinicius is probably going to be in that collection of individuals, Jenny. And I think Reese stood up, was accounted for, and led by example. And it makes you just realize how much this Chelsea side have missed him over long stretches of the season with the the two spouts of injury he's had. Yeah, no, I, I think he stood out. I mentioned that earlier. Sorry, I'm always like ruining your guys' lineup here and like how things are supposed to go. Um, if we're talking about Reese James now, I really thought he was a standout player for me. Um, like I said, I, I was worried at the beginning, but to to go that long confidently with a player against a player that does like to draw fouls, like Vinicius could have drawn another foul and got him out for him to stay that calm and composed to not foul him again and to still like keep him in front of him and not allow him to become a, a threat on multiple occasions is incredible. And the fact that he is one, you know, just like Mount uh, a Chelsea uh, forever is is beautiful to see in the fact that you have that player. I there's there's consistently times when I thought Reese James was like had great performances, but today was like a standout. Like, oh, that's that's a player that can shut things down. Like that side was not giving me any threats. That typically when you watch Real Madrid, he is you have to keep your eye on him. He's impossible to mark. And I thought Reese James was incredible there. I mean, obviously the stats say so. Brandon. Well, don't mind if I do. At Satman Dave breaking down Reese James's first half by nu- first half by numbers. What kind of a tweet is this at Statman Dave? <laughs> Look, Statman um, Dave took off the the back half of the match and didn't post nice things about us in the second half. So, that's so we think why this is no- the first half only. That's the first half only. Yes, hundred right, percent take ons successful. Ninety four percent pass accuracy. Thirty two passes completed. Eight duels contested. Seven duels won, so he won seven of eight. Uh, five tackles won. What's the difference between a tackle and a duel? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Uh, a tackle attempt- is the interception of the ball in motion yes. from another player. The duel is when you're going head-to-head uh, with someone in a one-on-one type of scenario. Yeah, think about it like with swords, you know, how you duel. Hmm. You know, just okay. God. Yeah, so you you definitely look like an ongar for sure. Matt, <laughs> that's Matt, right. Matt, math and English lessons today. This is a really just banner episode of London's Blue Podcast. <laughs> three cool attempted long balls, three successful long balls, one interception, one clearance, one foul drawn. I mean, clearly he had characters to give because you're just rewriting the same thing in a different way, Statman Dave. So anyways, Dan, um, I need you to sort that, your man out. Nick, go ahead. I, I was I was going to know, like I was pretty worried about him in the first half, there are a couple of moments where Real did counter us in the same way that they countered us in the first game, which, you know, is, is really what they're built to do. Like they are, they're not built to be a high possession team at all that they, they want to set traps. They want to counter, they want to get players like uh, Rodrigo and uh, Vinicius in, in behind. And then obviously find Benzema because he is their team, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, but I mean, he really did acquit himself well. And, uh, you know, he acquitted himself in a position that isn't his preferred position. It's probably his third best position. 
Uh, he was forced to play that in the in the FA Cup final last year against Leicester, uh, and is just kind of filling in to to make it all work right now. So I think he had the physicality and um, really really challenged Vinicius in a lot of ways and. He's he's not scared of these moments. Like he's really not. And again, if you if you think about him and Mason as your as your Lampard and Terry combo from back in the day, like that's how I think of them in the future. Yeah, I mean, academy graduates, uh, close to the same age, uh, have that friendship. It looks like on and off the pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Jenny kind of broke it down as well a lot. It's just. Reese is quiet as well, and he's a hard man, right? He's not crazy, though. He just, like, you can't get around him. He's not afraid of anyone, and he just gets on with his business. There's really nothing, uh, there's really no shenanigans from him, even really dark arts, which I think at some points we kind of wish he had a little bit more Mm. dark arts in him. Um, He's just a no-nonsense player, and he gets on with it. And, um, you know, he's gone from strength to strength, and there's no surprise that the best run of the season came when him and Chili B were at their finest. They're absolutely terrorizing teams on, on each flank. So, um, I mean, who thought we'd be saying uh, away at the Bernabeu with uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek at right wing back and Reese James at right center back? <laughs> what a time to be alive. Oh, man, what an academy. What a day for the academy. Uh, any other players you guys want to talk about before we maybe flip to the other side of the cone uh, or coin? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just want to know. I think Timo and Kai, alongside Mason, had really, really, really positive performances today. Um, it was as intense as we have pressed in over a year. Like we we haven't pressed like that all season. It was it was really madman style pressing for most of the game. Thibaut Courtois was put under pressure from goal kicks like a shit ton Uh, and like nearly fucked one up against Kai who really I don't think you for that one. God, that would have been just a cherry on the icing, huh? Um, But it was, it was extraordinary effort. I mean, the the amount of running that this team did to win the ball back in dangerous areas led by those front three was outrageous. And look, I, I will hold my hands up. I, thought that it was crazy to play Timo today in, in this because I didn't think Real Madrid would come out of their, their low block. Uh, but he did an extraordinary job uh, in this role. Um, it's something that we really haven't seen from him all season in this in the way that he played today either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he did a great job. And I think that while Kai didn't score, it was another incredibly uh, astute performance from him. He just looks dangerous right now. And I I hope that continues for a long time. All right. I think one one thing, you know, obviously, Nick, talking about the press, absolutely. One thing that stood out to me at the beginning of the match, I guess because I had such a negative connotation going into it, I was thinking in a more like scared defensive perspective of, uh-oh, I hope that, you know, Real Madrid doesn't beat up on us today the way that they did in the last leg. Um, the way that they played out of the back right from the get-go kind of made it clear that, that um, Chelsea wasn't scared um, or wasn't playing in the way that I was mentally approaching the game. And I thought that that was really important. The confidence that they were playing out of the back with stood out to me. And I was like, okay, this is a little different than I was expecting. And that immediately set the pace of of the confidence of the group and how they were approaching the game um, as a completely separate game of like, let's win this game. Um, And I also, I found that 
I, I didn't track him the entire game. I, I'm not as familiar with Ruben Loftus-Cheek with him not playing as much as, as in the usual matches. But um, on the goal, on Mount's first goal, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek was like incredibly overloaded into the middle and like almost to the left side, which caused so much havoc for Real Madrid to be able to mark them. Obviously, like it, it hits off of someone and then Mason Mount hits it in. But I thought that that made it very difficult for Real Madrid because they weren't expecting it. Like they're expecting the same exact uh, Chelsea to play against them and Tuchel, you know, maneuver things differently to the point where Ancelotti couldn't go with the same 11 in the same game plan, if that makes any sense. Am I just talking in circles now? Um, <laughs> so like finding the the ball to to mount and, and Loftus-Cheek in those half spaces, especially specifically on that goal, I thought was incredibly important and something that Tuchel probably worked on and outwitted Ancelotti on, if that makes sense. I mean, the the midfield was where we lost the first game, right, Dan? Um, uh-huh. And if you looked at the midfield performance today, uh, you know, of course, Ingolo is getting shredded for a couple of, of key mistakes. But, I mean, God, between him and Kovacic for 90 minutes of that game, they were exceptional. I mean, they, they absolutely ran Casemiro and Modric and, and Tony Cruz ragged. Uh Tony Cruz looked pissed to come off, but he was absolutely gassed. He had nothing left. Um, and I think both of those players, for the most part, had really positive games again. And that's where, again, if Chelsea is winning games comfortably, it's the midfield performing well. You think back to the Champions League last year, you think back to all of the success that we've had, that midfield is is the key. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point and also to Jenny's point, like, I mean, in general – you know, in terms of how Tuchel set us up and how we were getting the ball and moving it forward and, uh, you know, the way he set us up and the commitment from the players was exceptional. And uh, that was across the vast majority of the pitch. All right. Uh, well, let us progress through the script into uh, what maybe didn't go right for Chelsea and, and where we go from here. So, of course, Chelsea lost the two-legged tie and some things didn't go our way. Uh, we can kick it off with some substitutions. Change in player from Werner to Pulisic. Um, yeah, that anti-Pulisic army is out and about tonight. They are uh, not happy with the man. Uh, obviously, he had one good chance, uh, created some opportunities. To be fair, and again, I always come to Nick, like ran his ass off. Uh, There's no shortage of effort from the man. And at a minimum, that's what you need uh, when you come on as a second half sub. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody was in my mentions today as if I played the game. Um, I didn't, uh, and I would have been much worse, I promise you. Um, but, yeah, he didn't play well. Had a chance to win it at the end, didn't didn't take his chance. Okay, so I was wrong. There you go. You heard it here. Congratulations. Uh, I, I would say one thing at the tail end of this. I don't think Timo could have stayed on the pitch at when he was taken off, he was gassed. He sprinted for 89 minutes of this game all over the place. He got his goal that should have been the winner, but we switched off defensively a couple of times, and, and that's why we lost. So uh, alongside Pulisic, we had notable misses from Jorginho and Kai uh, and a bunch of other players uh, after the 75th minute. So, yes, and he had funny. a poor game. And plenty in the first half of the yep. the tie as well. Um, he had a poor game. Okay, there there it is. You heard me say it. Congrats. Uh, but I don't think this game was set up 
in a way like it was pretty chaotic when he came on and I think it was just like really last gasp everything. And it's a tough that's a tough role to come into when everyone's been warm for 90 minutes and you're just coming on the pitch. So, yeah, no, I look coming in an absolutely chaotic environment is not ideal for any player. Um, you're coming in where the plan is definitely evaporated at that point, and you're just trying to make something out of nothing. It showed the difference to me in where the night, the naivety that this team has in terms of how to wind down the game, how to lock it up, and there was still a little bit of danger ball taking place for the last 15 minutes versus the oh, no, my shin hurts. Let me take 30 seconds and accumulate some time. Hey, coach, um, raise my hand. I need someone. I need the doctors to come over for a second. Like, all the stuff that Real Madrid, like, it's a part of their DNA, and it's super frustrating when you're on the receiving end of it. But they're going to the semifinals, and we're going home. And, like, as much as you can be upset about it, there's a gamesmanship that's required. And I, I wonder... I wonder if looking back at it, the players for maybe where they could have kind of maybe, you know, tried to find ways to, I mean, Thibaut Courtois was milking, <laughs> milking goal kicks from like minute three. Um, it just would have been really nice to see some of that level. And obviously, I think in some areas we've got a, a younger team. And so maybe that just, they have not reached their true potential of the dark arts yet. But uh, I think that is something that was missing in that last, uh, you know, 15 or so minutes after the the Werner goal. We got out shithoused in both legs. And that that is uh that's a hard lesson to learn. Um but yeah, they're they're masters at it. And last year we beat them so soundly that they couldn't shithouse because they were pressing for goals. Um but this is this is what they do. Like and and that's a lesson that will be tucked away in Tuchel's head for uh, the inevitable uh, end of this trilogy next season uh, when UEFA definitely doesn't rig a draw and these teams definitely play in a similar stage. So, Oh, that, shit. This was, this was our Empire Strikes Back moment. This this was our Empire Strikes Back Fuck, moment. Next year's yeah. Return of the Jedi for Tuchel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so. blowing up that fucking Death Star. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Conte and Kovacic obviously gassed from about the sixth, fifth minute. It was a lot to ask for N'Golo today, Jenny. I mean, he, he's been playing quite a bit and certainly hasn't been playing his best game. He was really, really good for about 65, 70 minutes and had a couple of switch-offs. I mean, I, I saw Tuchel mention something about him fasting, and I'm not incredibly familiar with any of that. But once you put in 60 minutes of hard work and you haven't eaten it, happens to anyone like we're, we're all going to reach a point where we need fuel um i don't know i feel really sad because i think conte definitely deserves some criticism today and he's always one of the most consistent players for chelsea that like even just criticizing him feels ugly um but if there was any day to do it like a little bit today there there was some moments when you could see that he was dead tired and that that you know what, what can you do? I mean, I think it shows that one of the things that we'll probably talk about when we talk about where we go from here, that the recruitment of the players most in need for this Chelsea side were as much as we went after an a million pound, a million pound striker. That was not the player we needed to go three up in the burner bow. 
we needed someone to help lock it down or distribute in the midfield to spell this group of Kovacic who accelerated way beyond where I think we thought he was at the end of last season where he is now and Conte who just needs someone to give him the every other game off so he can give you the 90 that is truly exceptional and I think Brandon that that is you know there were you know things that maybe you could have done today but I think when you're saying hey I'm gonna bring in Saul like for 10 10 plus of the most critical minutes of this uh of this game of this tie like that's I think an admission that we we've not backed the manager the right way Uh, I mean I don't know I don't know what he's wanted I mean I think as fans we know that we want more you know but I'm sure they had a budget and they spent it in the areas that they felt I mean a hundred million is a shit ton for one player right but they I'm assuming felt like that was a big enough priority Jorginho coming back from the Euros. He has not really put a, a run of games together this season. And Golakante has been up and down probably because we've had to play him. I think we've admittedly played him multiple times where he was significantly injured. Uh, Ruben showed some signs at some points. Saul has showed some signs at some point. But the midfield has always been the rotating door this season. And it has not been where last season we just asked them to defend. This season we've asked a little bit more, and they just haven't, you know, performed the the way we'd want them to be, which was, um, you know, when you have Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric, and Modric plays the most unbelievable pass with the outside of his foot to a, a, a Rodrigo running at full speed. He can just tap it in, like... That's hard. <laughs> that is an unbelievable ball uh, that he'll not play again for a long time. So, yeah, midfield's kind of been the place we've nitpicked all season. Um, we've also loved uh, nitpicking referees, and we've kind of stayed no. away from it in the Champions no, League. You know, we, we've mm, seen some good, some good performance in the Champions League, uh, but not so much tonight. So application of VAR was suspects naz or boy naz tweeting tuchel's also upset with the var intervention on marcos alonso's goal and thought the referee ended the game too early after extra time quote maybe it is too much to ask for in this match against this opponent end quote i mean is it too much to ask for dan is it dude whistled like he had plans immediately after the match like he's like (laughs) Like, I gotta go. Like, this thing is done. Like, we ran over. I'm late for dinner. See y'all later. Um, it, that was crazy. Uh, the VAR thing on Alonzo, I mean, obviously, I think the way the rule is written, it's any immediate contact, which is kind of crazy when there's nothing he could have done. And I don't even know conclusively if he even touched the ball. Like, that's the other thing. I got one camera view that wasn't great. Uh, the camera views actually were pretty poor in general uh, from the placement locations there. Um, but Jenny, I don't know. Am I am I being too much of a homer in that regard? Am I am I am I am I feeling this too much? The refereeing aspect, the the handball in particular, the handball and the VAR decision. Um, the handball aspect. We had Christina Uncle on CBS Sports to, um, explaining that that's the rule, like whether. We like it or not, the way that the handball rules have changed is that if, if that immediately leads to a goal, it doesn't count. So according to the handball rule, yeah, that, that was it. Like you said, there was only one camera angle. I, I don't know. I think that was a tough one. I initially didn't even see the handball. Like I was 100% like, we're up, 3-0, let's go. 
And then when they played it back, I was like, oh, I, I can see where that becomes an issue with the new role. Are you being too much of a homer? Ah, uh, this is your no, chance. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, grill him, damn it, grill him. No, Dan. The thing is, you know, the quotes that came out about Tuchel that we're about to touch on. Um, I think that's totally fair for him to be upset about, honestly. And playing a team like Real Madrid that has the pedigree that it does in Champions League, it's it's kind of hard not to imagine that they have some weight with the referees or the, or FIFA or UEFA or all of it just because of who they are. And that's coming as a non-Chelsea supporter like viewpoint, just like. When you think about the pedigree that they hold with Champions League, there's some power that comes along with that, period. Ironic, because they tried to kill it and still yeah, are. The RE, yep. the, the handball, Taylor Twelman did bring up an interesting point that if that's a defender, it's not given as a handball yep. in the box. So I think that rule needs to be significantly rethought because it can't be one way and not be another to me like what you're saying is that a defender if it hits off a defender's hand and then the attacker scores right off it they don't count it if if the defender if it hits off of the defender's leg which it did right if it hit off mark Alonso's leg then onto his hand his hands kind of tucked yep. near his body that's almost never given as a handball in the box because the hand was not outreached or stopping the ball in any sort mm -hmm. of like weird way right right uh so but it was for the attacking player because they said that he controlled the ball and put it in his path. And that's why he scored. No, I he, agree with Dan that he, he, he couldn't have done anything. Else. He couldn't have done anything else there. Like, it's not like he was like hand. I want to No, I agree with that. Dan, you're not. So a homer. If, it, if it goes one way and doesn't go the other, that's when a rule is bad to me. And so I think they need to rethink that policy. And it then it needs to be more either more regularly given against the defender or not given against the attacking player. They've they've fought the handball law a lot, and they've tried to call it much more tightly in recent times. But it ha they've not found the sweet spot on this. Well, I mean, and the fact that Chelsea had a couple of penalty shouts that weren't even reviewed in this game. Uh, you know, again, it's it just really is a bummer that, you know, a, a fair refereeing performance today. Modric got away with two yellow cards that were given as fouls. I mean, it's it was a shambolic refereeing performance again. And again, when, when you're down three one, you don't really have room to complain about that stuff. You got to just go on and get on with your business. But it matters. Yeah, of course it matters. It, it's the fine margins that matter in a game like this where you almost complete a historic comeback against the most successful team in the competition's history. Like, I mean, that's the, it's the fine margins. And I never expect to get calls in the Champions League after our uh, illustrious history with uh, a, whole, a whole smattering of referees. But, it, yeah, this was uh, unfortunate. F footballing no heritage is also part of Chelsea getting screwed over by officiating. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's part of our history, damn it. Were you looking something up, Jenny, that you're going to add to the handball? No. Oh, I, I just like wanted to make clear. Up and you're going to make a point. Oh, sorry. sorry. All right. Um, look, Tuchel doubled down later uh, and another tweet from Naz saying that um, Tuchel said referee, I'm going to assume it's Simon Marciniak, lacked courage. There we go. AK lacked courage. Lacked cojones, one might say. AKA fine coming your way, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
The game has been put in disrepute. Sorry, Tuchel. Uh, Look, the corner for Chelsea that ended up leading to a goal, penalty shouts. It's just more of the same, Dan, from from this perspective when it's like you do enough to try to create your own luck and then it all is wiped away. I mean, we we could even go back into the... The, the first leg, and there was a potentially a, a penalty shot on that one, too. I mean, just, again, it, it's the inconsistency that's maddening more than anything else. I mean, I think in general you assume that you're going to get some calls that go your way, you're going to get some that go the other way, and it's just the, the standard every year sh- the goal should be to try to raise it to a level where less of the time fans, supporters, pundits are talking about the officiating and spending more time talking about, like, the, the great – tactical elements of what Tuchel did how Carlo countered like that should continue to always be the focus and like the the goal should be to try to improve this so I I kind of go back and forth on this one but I felt like Tuchel's comments at the end of the match about the referee and Carlo were a little bit just salty tears a little bit he said quote I disappointed that the referee had a good time with my colleague Carlo Ancelotti I know Carlo's a nice guy but when I wanted to go and say thank you for the match I saw him smiling and laughing loudly with the opponent's coach I think this is the wrong time to do this after a final whistle from 120 minutes where one team gave all their hearts and the fought and fought until the last drop end quote But at the same time, like, you know, Nick, where I'm coming from is like tough shit. Someone else won. He's happy. They're probably having a friendly conversation. The guy doesn't want to be a deadpan asshole. But at the same time, you do have to be a professional a little bit and understand the optics of the situation you're in on such a big stage. So I don't know. I kind of feel like Tuchel's just taking a pot shot, but I, I can at least understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I, I this this isn't like the craziest thing in the world to me, but it, it is a bad optical experience if you're <laughs> on, on the side of uh on the side of Chelsea getting screwed over but you know I I don't I I wish I, you know the 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 point is you wish you would have made better calls during the game and and then you wouldn't have this uh, so I'm not as worried the, about this the one exclusiva uh if it had been the reverse of Tuchel uh laughing with the officials uh afterwards a la hazard last season um would have been uh, been pretty epic afterwards. So uh, does he it, do it, that? It both ways. No, no. I, I'm saying. Uh, remember last uh, last season when Hazard was laughing yes. with the players, and mm-hmm. it became a really yes, big yes, narrative. Yes. Marco the, went uh, the in, I believe. Um, all right. Well, Dan has a terribly open ended question. Says, "Where do we go from here?" And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going home. All right. I've had enough. You're already home. You're already. I home. am. My bed's behind me. I'm just I'm going to right fall there. backwards yeah. and be yeah. done. <laughs> uh, trust, trust fall bed edition <laughs> let's go i mean obviously dan there's a lot of different ways this could go this could honestly probably be a two-part tinkerman episode if we really wanted it to be uh but for the for the sake of the listeners who are already almost at about an hour i think there's some like concrete things we want to see obviously top four is non-negotiable at this point uh, we still in the fa cup semifinals. uh and nick actually kind of kudos to you for uh just bullet point number one yeah, uh, where do we go from here? We have to sell the fucking club <laughs> to a person who can buy it and and then <laughs> and then operate it without sanctions. That would be ideal. Uh, point two: after you've sold the club and have the uh, license to to work uh, in the space, you sign Thomas Tuchel to a long ass extension. That is uh, priority number one. Uh, then you sign Antonio Rudiger to a long ass extension. Uh, so those two extensions done. 
And then you have to have a competent transfer window. I mean, it, you know, the goal for Chelsea is to compete in this competition and go deep in this competition every year. We're a couple. It's very obvious we're a couple of pieces away from competing at the top level right now. And there are some players who we need to sell. Um, so when I say competent transfer window, that doesn't mean go buy the most expensive players in the world. It means buy players who fit our team and our ethos uh, and want to play for Chelsea. Um, you wouldn't have normally said want to play for Chelsea, but after this year, you know, I think there that needs to be a qualifier. And uh, and yeah, I think those are the the four things I have. Uh, I, I frankly, you know, I know that we're going to try and, you know, hopefully knock on wood, go to an FA Cup final here in a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, I think just finish out the season <clears throat> in the best, most professional way you can. But, yeah, I mean, the, the big prize is now is now gone. So I don't know. Dan, do you think? Oh. Go ahead, Jenny. No, let Jenny go. Question time. No. Do you think that, you know, obviously when you talk about having a competent window post sell, um, when an owner comes in and they are not Abramovich and they are not willing or they're not as openly about spending money on big players, spending massive amounts of money, um, is it potentially possible that we get an owner that is not willing to spend the amount of money that Chelsea's expected to spend on these big players and that becomes an issue for Chelsea fans in the, in the future? Does that make sense? Of course it's a possibility. It, I mean, like yeah. Roman, we had the the sweet setup that he had just cashed a splash and enjoyed winning trophies. Um, but I do think we're probably going to get two really good transfer windows out of the new owner just to literally buy support from, from the fans. That's interesting, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Dan, I cut you off. No, it's okay. no, I mean, we all do. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a good question though. We don't know, and that's the scary part. Yeah, I'm assuming it won't be as good uh, as it was under Roman. But I mean, to be fair, a lot of people had complaints about Roman too. Which, in hindsight, they might be uh, deleting some tweets. Dan, oh, there's plenty of high price signings that have not worked well for Chelsea. So, I mean, the fact that we were willing to spend all the time doesn't necessarily mean that you can buy your way out of a problem. Um, I think the what I would say is I point this more from the point of reference is like, we've got a couple more weeks till the season finishes. Like, I think you have to, you know, secure our top three position. Like I, I just, I really don't want to have Spurs and or Arsenal, uh, potentially moving past us on the table. That's just not, that's not the way I want my summer to go. Like I want to have a nice nope. relaxing summer and that's going to really put a damper on it. Uh, and I think you got to win the FA cup. Um, I think Tuchel under a prior administration, might actually be feeling a little bit of a hot seat um, just because of the uh, penchant for trophies. But I think he has uh, navigated uh, probably the most difficult situation at our club's history, uh, or at least most recent history, um, with just an absolute level of class. And uh, I, I, to Nick's point, uh, get the contract extension signed and done. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Chelsea's about winning trophies and the Super Cup is great and the Club World Cup is fantastic because it completed the set. Uh, win the FA Cup. Come on. Like, this has to be the other part of the, the puzzle here to figure out for the end of the season. All right. Well, again, uh, a lot more still to come on that stuff, but we'll go ahead and wrap this one up with the Dan and the match, which we didn't have, but you have a write-in response. I did. You know, look, we lost a tie, so people were depressed. Um, and it didn't feel like the right moment to uh, run a poll about who the man of the match was because uh, you were wrong if you didn't put Reese James. Um, but look, uh, I think a huge credit to the away supporters who could be heard uh, throughout the Bernabeu uh, for large portions of the match. Uh, 
and you could hear them all through on TV, which is fantastic. Like that, that is just something that warmed my heart. And even though we didn't walk away winning the tie, um, that is something that I know hopefully those people will uh, take as a uh, permanent memory. So well done, away supporters. Yeah, uh, a lot of familiar faces uh, out there in Spain. So hopefully, on on the whole, it was a good trip. So uh, results, we kind of hinted this already, but VRL beating Bayern on aggregate two to one, which was told y'all wild. Told you uh, Chelsea have losing five four, and then Atletico Madrid, Man City play tomorrow. Liverpool, Benfica. You assume Liverpool go through, they're up three one uh, on aggregate, so they would play actually via Real. And then the winner of Atletico and Man City are going to play Real Madrid. So I'm sure Liverpool are absolutely hyped at the situation they find themselves. Uh, Jenny is the uh, official CBS Champions League representative here. Uh, it's been a fun tournament so far, and it looks like it's going to continue to stay hot until the end. It does. Um, gosh, Champions League is like the most exciting thing I've ever worked on. But be a but. Uh, but a bunch of people's brackets got torn up today. For sure. But whatever your bets were, you probably lost some money because whoever thought VRL was going through, good on you. I mean, that's just me and Nick. But if you bet on it, you probably got some money because if you're betting against Bayern Munich, you're betting against Robert Lewandowski, you have some cajones that uh, most people don't. People have told me that my entire life. So I'm (laughs) really, really pleased about that. But uh, no, I mean, I'm, I, I've told uh, since we played them this summer, that is a good team. They are good. They are resolute. They play like we played last year in the Champions League, which, yes, Liverpool is probably hyped that they don't have to face off against Bayern Munich. That Bayern team hasn't been as good as I thought they'd be this year. They just lack and motivation at times. I mean, they're unbelievably talented. It's just they walk the yeah. league, and then it's hard for them to kind of get up. PSG have had the same issue. The Villarreal are a problem. You know what? <laughs> I, uh, I I had a post game interview. Goodness, I don't even remember who, but when I, I went to the Villarreal Juve game and I covered it for CBS Sports, um, I talked. To, I think it was Dan Juma. Was it Dan Juma? I did my post game interview with. I don't know. You guys know my life mm-hmm. more than I do. Um, and he <laughs> said, he specifically said that when I Emery had the game played out exactly how when I Emery said it would. Like he specifically said, they said that or sorry when i said that they were going to get impatient and they were going to want to score goals so they were going to push forward and that was going to be our moment but to be patient until they got to that point um and he he was like laughing as he said it he was like oh he's unai is so smart like he the game played out exactly the way he thought it would and to have that patience to, to kind of just know that your coach is right and continue to play your role and the game plan you know not have anybody get too excited and think that they're smarter than the coach is what a, what a team you know to have that quality you can't have i don't know real madrid having that same exact or psg we'll we'll use psg as an example wouldn't have that same take they'd be like i'm smarter than the coach i'm going to do what i think is right Mm -hmm. but to have a villarreal that is like okay when i tell us to do this we will do exactly this even if things aren't looking good you guys pressing us you guys attacking us you guys beating us at some point it's going to break for us i think that's that's the beauty of them that they are able to they're seventh in la liga I'm aware. And they just, Listen. And they're, and, but I, no, but I'm, I'm on the same page. I think I look at that team and I see shades of, of the way that Chelsea defended last year. And that can win you a fucking tournament, man. It can win you a whole damn thing. And <laughs> Liverpool, 
while they are certainly going to go through against Benfica, are going to come up against a wall in that team. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they deal with it. Look, we're, we're all Villarreal good. fans right now. <laughs> That's right. We don't want Liverpool Taking to win. Them all the way. We don't want City to win. And uh, look, it, Benfica, probably not going to do it. Madrid, you never know. That could happen. Um, so Villarreal. Dude, Madrid are going to get washed. Are you kidding me? That old ass team? No way. No way. Some but we're all some interesting names in that team too. Raul Albiol is still playing, which is wild. Uh Coquelin from Arsenal, Parejo, Etienne Capu, who is at Watford, and Giovanni Lo Celso, who is at um Take the um, Spurs Tottenham players well. out of Spurs and they start winning in Europe. Hmm. Santi Cathorla is still there. Oh wow, really? He he's wow. the only attacking midfielder. AK dude is on a <laughs> on a sweet deal. He's on an island. Uh, Samuel Chukwese, uh, he's American. He's on the team, too. So, um, Anyways, really interesting, but we don't need to go down this uh, alleyway. We are done. We are wrapped up. Our Champions League run has come to an end officially, which is super sad. But as the fans said, we're going to see Champions League of Europe until May because, well, we can. So we'll just uh, shithouse the rest of the Premier League until, until that happens. So, Jenny, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Ditto. Ditto. Thanks for having me on again, guys. You guys are awesome. I always have so much fun. Gotcha. Thanks for bringing the questions, per usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. So um, more content coming at you this week again. Uh, shout out to Nick for putting together uh, Chidge. And, oh, I always forget his name. Chris, Chris Isaac. Isaac uh, Ed from the CPO. Yep. So uh, going to be good uh, amount of content coming your way. So stay plugged in. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.